Okay, so today I want us to look at something in closing. Um, I think from from the last time, um, uh, from the first revival seminar that we, we ever did, um, yeah, the first revival seminar we ever did, um, to this particular, to the, to, the, to the second one, and then to this particular one. I think there's a lot that we've actually looked into. Uh, there's a lot that we've actually gone into. Um, as far as lessons go, yeah, we've gone into the supernatural. We've gone into supernatural experiences. We've gone, we've gone into the purpose of revival. We've gone into sustaining revival. Uh, we've typically looked at different angles of revival. Um, Early this, this morning, as I began to prepare, okay, uh, early this morning, as I began to prepare, I, I kind of felt there was an area of revival that we really, really needed to touch. Um, and uh, it, it's an area I have not, you know, out, uh, outrightly touched, but I believe uh, tonight I will touch it in hopes to, um, in hopes to actually give some sort of perspective uh, towards where we're going. Now, I want to share on uh, something I have titled uh, the purpose of, of the teaching uh, ministry in a revival. Okay, the purpose of the teaching ministry in a revival, or the purpose of the teaching office in the revival. Um, it's very, very important. So now I want us to begin from Ephesians 4. It's a very common portion of scripture. Ephesians chapter number 4 in verses number 11, uh, moving all the way through to 14. Ephesians chapter number 4, verses 11, moving all the way through to 14. Uh, so it says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for the works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. So Christ himself gave the apostles, he gave the prophets, he gave the evangelists, he gave uh, the pastors, and he gave the teachers to equip his people for the works of service. So uh, the primary function of the fivefold ministry, okay, the primary function of the fivefold ministry is to equip the body. Okay, to equip the people of God for the works of ministry. Now, the purpose of the fivefold is not necessarily to do the ministry, but to equip people for ministry. Okay, it doesn't mean that they don't do ministry, but it just means that their primary purpose is to equip people for ministry. Okay, so when you are coming to church uh, and a fivefold office is in operation, the purpose is to equip you for ministry. So ministry is not necessarily supposed to just be done by the fivefold. Ministry is supposed to be done uh, by each and every person in the body of Christ. And that is why the fivefold is there. 
okay, to equip the people for ministry, that they may be built up until they reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, and also become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So the fivefold ministry comes to equip uh, people for the works of ministry. Okay, I, I don't know if you 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 guys know that hand 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 representation of what the fivefold is. Uh, does anyone know? If you don't know, just mention how you can you know know the fivefold through your uh your five fingers. Does anyone know that one? Uh, so that we 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 know we're on the same page. Okay, does anyone know? Does do we all know? Okay, how to uh actually, you know, um. If you don't know, you don't know. Just say, I don't know. Don't think too much, okay? <laughs> I know we love to think. I, I, love, I know we, we love to think too much as, 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 okay, okay. So it says, in, okay, Mr. Emmanuel, is that saying that you know or that you don't know? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> okay, uh, yeah, okay. So uh, there's a way in which, okay, my under says he knows. There's a way in which you you kind of can figure out uh, the, the, the five-fold ministry, okay, using your five fingers, okay? There's a way in which you... Let me just turn on my camera. Uh, if, if, I look, if I look a certain way, don't worry. Uh, like I said earlier that I don't know how I just dozed off because I had a very long day preparing for uh, stuff. So don't mind me. Just, just look at my hands. Okay, so let's try and have that there. Okay, so are you able to see me? Are you or are you able to see my five fingers? If you're able to see my five fingers, just indicate that you can see my 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 five fingers. Okay, okay, great. Um, so if you can see my five fingers, uh, this is this is how uh, this is how you can be able to remember the fivefold ministry. So in case you want to remember the fivefold ministry and some of their primary functions. You can use your five fingers. So this finger, this this finger rather, this 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 finger, is to represent the apostle. Okay, is to represent the apostle, and the reason of which it's representing the apostle is because it has been said that the apostle uh, has the ability to function in all four of these other offices. Okay, so this uh, finger here, okay, represents the apostle. Then, because they can flow into all these uh, other offices, then this finger, this pointing finger, okay, this pointing finger is to represent the prophet, okay, and the, the connotation is because prophets are the ones that point, okay, the ones that when they're giving a word, uh, they're the ones that point, or when they're bringing, you know, a word, they'll point, they'll give direction. So, uh, this finger is to remind you of the prophet. Then the middle finger, okay, the middle finger. I know it has different connotations in different, uh, in different, in different cultures. But the middle finger here, okay, uh, is the longest. If you look at my fingers like this, the middle finger here happens to be the longest. So this is to uh, represent the evangelist, okay, is to represent the evangelist. Why? Because the evangelists go the furthest, okay, they go the furthest to reach out to souls, to win souls. So this middle finger is to represent the evangelist. Now, this, this, then this finger, uh, the, the, the finger we use to put our rings on, okay. Uh, apparently, I don't have my ring on because I, I love to remove it by night because it, 
yeah i don't know my finger is just too too fat so uh but this is where we put our ring okay this is where we put our ring uh this is to represent the pasta okay this is to represent the pasta the reason why it's representing the pastor because they are married to the church <laughs> they are married to the church so this represents the pastor where we put the ring then this little one here okay this little one represents the teachers okay which we are looking at this evening this represents the teachers why is the little finger representing the teachers okay apart from mayanda and um yeah i think he's the only one that says he knows so apart, apart from um, uh, maya who who can give us uh, some insight into why you think the middle, the, the little finger represents the teachers? So we said that this thing, this 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 finger here, okay. I don't know. You call it the thumb. This thing, this finger here, okay. This finger here represents the apostles because they can flow in all of these uh, five offices. This pointing finger represents the prophets because they're the ones doing the pointing, the direction, and all that. So then, this middle finger represents the. Uh, the evangelists because they go the furthest because the middle finger is the longest finger then this marriage finger okay here okay the where we put the ring okay this represents the pastors because they are married to the church now this uh, little finger here is to represent the teachers why does the little finger represent the teachers is anyone able to tell us why the little finger represents the teachers can we do it can we do that quickly you, you you can you can you can try um and just think it through uh it's a class so don't worry about being too uh correct just you know kind of try it out sashi can can you try it out quickly so that we can we can move why do you think this little finger represents the teachers their work comes after uh, all the four offices i'm, I'm not really really sure <laughs> but i think it's because it able to touch these other fingers on the tips no. i don't know if that is correct <laughs> no <laughs> no <laughs> this little finger marriott no again no maya do you want to tell us uh sing you 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 know do you want to tell us why this little finger represents the teachers um are you able uh, to yes uh, because it brings balance great it brings balance that's that's one of them it brings balance uh the other the other reason do you want to add another reason <laughs> no pastor just that one <laughs> uh it has the ability to reach into the ear which speaks of teaching and insight uh well I've, that's the first time i'm hearing that uh maybe we can qualify that but that's the first time i'm hearing that uh, Mr. Kafunda, and then also that uh, I remember the person that told me also told me that because it's it's you know it's small, so the teachers focus on the little nitty gritties. They expound on all those little nitty, nitty gritties. So that's also part of the reason. So uh, next time you're trying to remember, and and if and and I know that there are many ways we can remember. These are only like one layer. So many other people will probably give you. Uh, a different layer so it's also accurate as long as it, it flows so this the apostle because they can flow into all these five this uh the prophet because they're the ones doing the pointing giving the direction okay then this the middle finger which is the longest finger represents the uh, evangelists because they go the furthest this marriage finger represents the pastors because they are married to the church then this little one balanced and also um 
focusing on the nitty gritties they teach on the nitty gritty so this focuses on the teachers praise the lord so let me cut off my camera so that that is how you you can use your five fingers to remember the fivefold ministry now um now it's very very important for us to understand that the fivefold ministry operates uh in 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 in, in unison okay so the fivefold is not really operating outside alignment to each other okay so i've, I've noticed there's use this you know this big thing uh to deal with you know uh i'm in the five forward who is who is the who is the most powerful and who is the most this and and because of that i have constantly seen that uh people are trying to rush for a title that they feel will give them so much power Okay, they're trying to, to rush for a title that will give them so much power. I remember I, I went to see I went to see Bishop and you know there was something written on my letter. I, I was sending a letter to him, so I gave him the letter. And when he opened the letter, I think because of the title that I had given myself in the letter. Now it wasn't amongst the five fold, but I think I'd said uh, senior pastor or something like that. But then we didn't even have any pastor uh, apart from me. So he looked at the letter and he says which senior pastor you are the only pastor there he says you young man you like power and i you know i, I remember <laughs> laughing i said dad we can we can change the letter <laughs> we can we can change the letter so <laughs> he laughed we laughed about it and we we forgot about it so i've i've, I've seen this with the fivefold ministry also uh uh that you know many times you you would discover that uh Many times you will discover that, you know, many, many people want to go for, you know, apostle because they feel ah, apostle, you know, uh, many people want to go for prophet because but all the other parts of the, uh, the fivefold uh, work in tandem. Okay. They work hand in hand. And I remember even back in school on the copper belt. Uh, when the prophetic and the apostolic ministry was so strong, because I remember uh, the prophetic and the apostolic ministry was so strong on the copper belt at the time in which I was there, and even in times past before I was there, but I think uh, it was really strong slightly before I was there, and also when I got there, I found that the apostolic ministry on the copper belt and the prophetic ministry was so strong, and so because of that, because I hardly saw apostles and prophets in Lusaka at the time, okay, um, but then when I was there on the copper belt, there were many apostles, many prophets. It was the first time that I was actually even seeing young apostles, young prophets, you know, because I was used to the Lusaka system of just seeing pastors. And if I see an apostle, I see a prophet. It was very rare. But then there on the copper belt, you know, sometimes, you know, your classmate or something apostle like You know, I'm like, oh, okay, I, I didn't know that. You know, you know, you see, you know, another classmate, say, prophet none. You know, and these are your classmates. So I'm like, okay, this is very interesting. You know, and I grew up in a culture in which titles were not so overly emphasized. Uh, now, many of them, yeah, were genuinely called into the, those offices, but there were also some of which I felt uh, giving yourself the title apostle and prophet was, you know, to accredit your ministry. Some of them have actually changed those titles now, and they're just going by pastor or they're just going by brother so-and-so. Uh, for whatever reason, I do not know. Okay, but if God calls you into that office, we bless the Lord. Okay, if God lifts you, there are some people that start basically you start with a particular office, and as you begin to change and gravitate, God also elevates you. So, all those things are there. Okay, I don't want to uh to do more damage than good. Okay, so please understand my heart 
with addressing this matter. But I'm saying that in my culture, uh, back when I was still there, it was more of an issue of, you know, when you have the title apostle, even when you see a, pa a po poster saying apostle, there was this interest. When you see a poster saying prophet, there was this interest to go. I remember then people would just look, say, ah, prophet, so and so. They didn't even know the prophet, ah, he's coming. But when you just say, you know, a uh, uh, pastor, and I remember then it was in the times when, you know, many of us would just use Sir Cham Chilombo. So you write, we remember having a conference writing Sir Cham Chilombo. And I remember people were laughing at me in school. Sir Cham Chilombo, And I didn't even know that it was a Lusaka thing. It hadn't reached the copper belt. So, you know, I was writing Sir Cham and everyone was like saying, Sir Cham, Sir Cham, you know, so... But then when other people put, you know, prophet so-and-so, the meeting would be jam-packed. You know, to for my brothers, you know, the meeting wouldn't be, you know, wouldn't be as packed because they felt we had very little to offer. And the same is true when it comes to, uh, when it comes to the teaching ministry. The teaching ministry is very, very cardinal. The teaching ministry is very, very important. Okay, now I know that in most cases, uh, what you will find is that it's very rare to have the, you know, the teaching ministry uh, or the teaching office existing uh, independently. So usually you will find that if someone has got the teaching office operating within their life, you will find that usually they'll go by the function of a pastor. Okay, and if you are a pastor, the teaching office should be functional. So usually you will find the teaching office hardly operates independently. Okay, but you will find that the teaching office will operate in tandem with another office. So, for example, you find someone is an apostle, but the teaching office is in operational. Okay, that is why you will hardly find that someone calls themselves a teacher. Okay, you just say I'm a teacher. Okay, uh, now I know there are some people that are, you know, Jewish rabbis and all those people, they call themselves teachers, you know, mfundizi or whatever it is that, that people will call themselves anyway. But, but you will hardly find, I don't know if you've ever met anyone say, uh, I'm a teacher, you know, teacher so-and-so. I don't know if you, it's, it's very rare to even see that on a poster. Okay, we can see Pastor Cham Chilombo will be speaking, uh, Prophet so-and-so will be speaking, Apostle so-and-so will be speaking, Evangelist so-and-so will be speaking. Uh, I don't know if you, who has ever seen, a, of, of course, many, some of you may have, but it's very rare to see a poster that says, uh, teacher Diana Simujika will be speaking. It's, it's very rare. It, it's a very rare phenomena to see, okay? Uh, and now I know many people uh, don't really love the teaching office much because it seems like it's the least powerful, okay? It seems like it's the least powerful. When you hear evangelist, um, when you hear evangelists, many people will say, ah, evangelists are, you know, evangelists gather crowds, chiladibama crusades, ama stadiums, people are excited. When you see people say pastors, ah, pastor, you know, you can have a big church with members under you, people calling you daddy, you know, people are excited over that. Prophets, ah, you know, you can give prophetic utterances, you can see visions and all. People are excited over that, okay? Uh, which which one have I, have I missed? Apostles, you know, people, apostolic authority, people enjoy that, you know, that apostolic authority, being able to establish, you know, all those things. So people are excited over the apostolic, but you hardly hear people come and say, well, I'm a teacher. Okay, God has, has given me the teaching ministry or the teaching grace because we feel it's the least powerful uh, we feel uh, teaching, number teaching, demonstration of power, you know, and especially that we are revivalists. So I know power is something we, we like uh, quite a lot. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with that. But, you know, it's very, very important to understand that through teaching, there is equally 
power there. So now in, 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 in the book, The Blueprints of Heaven, which of course I, I can't really get now. Um, oh wait, let me just check if I, I can find a copy. Just give me a moment. Okay, I have found myself a copy of the Blueprints of Heaven, which is a book I wrote, by the way. Uh, Blueprints of Heaven is this book. Okay, that's the blue. Let me try and focus. Yeah, the Blueprints of Heaven, a book that has been out of stock for about a year or so, and people keep asking about it. And then when I print it, no one want, no, no one will want to buy it. Someone will say, ah, give me some time, but people have been hounding me for years. Over this particular book uh, my first book and I think it's it's my best book really uh, I don't know if there's a book that has got more impact than this one uh, on the lives of people I've written others that I felt were very good uh, but I don't know why people keep gravitating towards this one it, it will it's 150 but it, it's not in store Benedict uh, we don't have it so I don't know people keep hounding me uh, over this particular one uh, my my plan maybe is to have it ready at uh, heaven come okay maybe we can sell it at heaven come but then uh, it, it's 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 i don't know it's there's just this thing about it okay I, I i don't understand it as well but there's just this thing about it i've been trying to understand that people keep asking about it for some reason uh people keep asking about it and sometimes when people read it uh you know i've seen people have experiences you know people speaking in tongues after reading it uh, i don't know but there's just something about it the other books i felt i'd even matured in my english in my writing style so i felt those books would be better but this one even though i felt the time i was writing it i was a student and but the life on it is just amazing and this is simon peter's copy i don't i I've, i got it and i've never returned it so i don't know if you can see that i signed it for him it says simon peter as you read may heaven become real to you so yeah thank you simon peter that the copy is never coming back so yeah anyway um let me let me let me talk about the fivefold ministry okay let me talk about the fivefold ministry uh because i'm about to go into the teaching teaching um uh, into the teaching ministry to explain a bit of it um so these 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 ministries work these offices rather work in tandem okay they work hand in hand with each other so for example uh and for example the the the, the role of the prophet in the book i write that the role of the prophet is to look into heaven for the blueprints of heaven so the prophets look into heaven okay to see the blueprints of heaven basically uh, avoiding the language of the book maybe let me make it simple for you so the prophets look into heaven to see the pattern of heaven they will see the culture of heaven okay they will see that which is in heaven so prophetic ministry uh, and i've noticed that prophetic ministry is 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 a bit lowered in africa okay the prophetic ministry is a bit lowered in africa because if you see the prophetic ministry of the west okay someone that will be called prophet you'll be so shocked because if you are going to their meeting your assumption is that when you go to a prophetic ministry okay 
of, of a, a minister in the West, your assumption will be that, you know, you find that the prophet will be saying, I saw this, I saw this, I saw this, I saw this, you know, operating in accurate words of knowledge, okay? I saw this about you and I saw this about you. Now, of course, that is possible, but you will find that it's not only that. So many of the people on, in the West that call themselves prophets, you'll be so shocked that they, not, they don't operate in the conventional way in which Africans would operate. Now, there's nothing wrong about the way in which Africans operate, but I'm trying to tell you that there's a wider scope to the prophetic ministry. Now, so the prophets look into the culture of heaven. Okay, that's one of the things you will see about prophets. Prophets will look into the culture of heaven. And when prophets see the culture of heaven, when they now see the culture of heaven, the prophets can relay that culture to the apostles. Okay, when the prophets see the culture of heaven, they relay that culture to the apostles. So the apostles establish the blueprint or the culture of heaven on earth. So when the prophets see that culture which is in heaven, when the prophets see that culture which is in heaven, the apostles are the ones that establish the culture of heaven. They relay what was seen in heaven here on earth. Okay, so when the prophets see things in heaven, the apostles are the ones with the grace to establish what was seen in heaven. So, for example, if a prophet uh, saw, you know, lampstands in heaven or saw a fire on an altar, Okay, that is a vision that they saw in the realm of heaven. Now, when the apostles hear that vision, the apostles have got sufficient grace to interpret what that means. That may mean that the prayer altar of the church should never die. So when an apostle is establishing culture, okay, when an apostle is establishing culture, an apostle will establish a church culture of which prayer should never be kept dead. Okay, so you're seeing the, the way in which these two ministries work together. Or two offices work together. So the prophet can see into the uh, the culture of heaven. The prophet will see into the culture of heaven, see the reality of heaven, and then relate to the apostles. This is what we saw. Okay, I wish I could have gone into uh, into all these uh, councils, but I, I will not go into them. But then the prophet will, will see into the realm of heaven, and when the prophet sees into the realm of heaven, he will see the culture and establish and, and give the culture to the apostles, and the apostles will establish that culture here on the realm of the earth, okay? So then the teachers, the teachers teach the processes and the functionalities of heaven and the culture that has been established. So we are seeing the progression here. The progression is that the prophets saw into the realm of heaven, the culture of heaven, then gave it to the apostles, gave the vision to the apostles. This is what we saw in heaven. Then the apostles interpreted it to say, okay, if this is what you saw, this is the interpretation of what you saw. And this is what we should establish. It means that we should establish a church of which the worship should be in this order. The prayer ministry should be in this order. Okay. This is the order of which we should establish the church. So the apostles will establish that. Then the teachers will now come in after the culture has been established. The teachers will now come in to explain the processes and the functionalities of heaven. So they will come and start to explain the processes and the functionalities of heaven. That is what the, the teachers will actually do. Then the evangelists, the evangelists look into the supply of heaven. So the evangelists will begin to look into the supply of heaven. Okay, what do we need to do? We need to reach out to souls. We need to do this. The evangelists look into to that particular supply of heaven and then the pastors shepherd the people that are actually walking in that culture of heaven so when there's time to shepherd the people the pastors will now be in a place where they can actually shepherd the people so we are seeing that these ministries are working hand in hand these offices are working hand in hand now the purpose of revival okay the purpose of a teacher in a revival rather 
are, are the following, which I want us to, to look at. I, and I know that's uh, quite an introduction. And I give that introduction because uh, um, I give that introduction because I don't plan on talking long on the pointers. Now, how the five, how the, 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 the teaching ministry works in a revival or the importance of the teaching ministry in a revival. Number one, uh, to establish the saints. Okay, that's the importance of the teaching ministry in a revival. Number one is to establish the saints. Romans 10, 14. Can we go to Romans chapter number 10 and verses number 14? Romans chapter number 10 and verses number 14. The One of the purposes of uh, the teaching ministry in a revival is to establish, okay, to establish the saints in revival, to establish the saints in revival. So Romans chapter number 10 and verses 14. Let me just go there. Give me a moment. Romans chapter number 10 and verses number 14. 14 says, how then can they all uh, how then can they call on the one they have not believed? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? Okay, how can they hear? How can they believe without someone preaching to them? Okay, how do they believe without someone preaching to them? How do they hear without someone preaching to them? Okay, so they had to be someone that preached the gospel for them to be established in the faith. So they were established in the faith because a preacher preached to them. Okay, that is why we have to go out and do the work of evangelism. This is one of the scriptures that I always teach our evangelism team. Okay, when you're going out to do evangelism, Romans 10, 14 should be at your fingertips, knowing that if you have not preached, how then would they hear? If you've not gone out to declare the gospel, the good news to them, how would they believe? Okay, so the reason why they are being established in the faith is because there was someone to teach, there was someone to preach to them, there was someone to speak to them. So they were established in the faith because teaching went forth. Okay, so revi revival needs teachers. Okay, any revival that was lacking in with teachers uh, went into error and we'll look at that later. So revival needs teachers. Now, the thing with revival is that usually when revival starts, okay, usually when revival starts, revival starts, uh, you know, from a very high place. It starts with people hungry for God. And some of the people that start hungry for God uh, are the most unconventional people, okay? These are the most unconventional people. They are not the most churchy people. They are not the most schooled people. Because even when 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 God was stirring a revival, when Jesus left the, the disciples, when the revival was stirred, it wasn't stirred and among us, the Pharisees who were high-level teachers, it wasn't stared among us, the Sadducees, the scribes, and all these other people, the Essenes, and all these other people. It wasn't stared with these groups of people, okay? It was stared with an unconventional group of people. If anything, many of the people that went into fishing and went into all these other prof professions, these were people that had actually failed to make it into rabbinical school. So they had failed to make it into rabbinical school. So their knowledge of the Torah was not as high as the Pharisees. Their knowledge of the law was not as high as the Sadducees. Okay? It wasn't as high as the scribes. So these were people that many many of them had actually failed to make it into rabbinical school. And then God decides to actually 
pour his new wine, okay, into these new wine skins. So usually revival will start with people that are hungry for God. Sometimes they are not even established in the faith. So many times it's just people that are hungry for God. And if you notice that many people that start to operate in a move of God or the young people having a move of God, these are people that may not know so much as far as the establishment of the faith or the establishment of the word of God, but they are just hungry for God. These are the people we usually refer to as people that are with zeal but lacking in knowledge. Usually those are the ones revival starts with. I don't know if you've ever noticed that the move of God is usually strong amongst those with zeal but lacking knowledge because those that have knowledge sometimes are bound by the knowledge, okay? It puffs them up like Paul says, I think in the book of Corinthians, okay? Sometimes you find those that are so knowledgeable are puffed up and those that don't have knowledge have very little knowledge but what they are just pursuing are experiences. They just want to they just want to encounter God and you see the way God is, he is so faithful that he will not restrict anyone that wants to encounter him merely on the premise that they don't have a particular amount of knowledge. Okay, that is how much God is willing to pour out his wine, that despite the fact that we don't know so much, he still operates with us. That is why you would discover that you, when you go back to three years ago, some of you go back to five years ago and listen to the sermon you taught, and you notice that even the sermon you taught was in error, but God moved. And you are wondering, how did God move yet my sermon was in error? You know, when I go back to my sermons of years ago, we used to refer to the Holy Spirit as it. We used to refer to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a force. The Holy Spirit is a force that will come. He is a mighty force. No, 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 no. He's a personality. But even in referring to the Holy Spirit as a force, we find that the Holy Spirit was moving mightily. It was only in the Catherine Kuman times that Catherine Kuman started to really bring this, uh, this knowledge on the Holy Spirit being a person who has a personality because if you read many of the books many of the articles many of the parchments that were written before that particular era you will find that many people refer to the holy spirit as the wild goose some refer to the holy spirit you know as uh, as a force some refer to him as a wind some refer to him in different in different areas altogether okay in the welsh no, sorry in the in the uh, in the island of Iona, they referred to the Holy Spirit as the wild goose. They were operating at a certain level of, uh, oper uh, I mean, revelation at that particular time. But they were hungry for God. So despite being hungry for God, God still encountered them. Okay. Despite being hungry, for, I mean, despite lacking in knowledge and, and, and being hungry for God, God still encountered them. That is why you will notice that many of the things you taught years ago, many of the things you held as truth years ago, you know, longer hold them as truth now but years ago the holy spirit still moved with you okay it's the grace and the mercy of god for those that are hungry that if you are hungry there is a way in which god will meet you so now revival usually starts with such a group of people not established in the word but hungry for the move hungry to see god do something hungry for a visitation so they start like that it was the same thing with uh What's this revival again? The revival with Todd Bentley. I don't know if anyone remembers the name. The name, the Lakeland outpouring. The Lakeland outpouring started in a similar fashion. Okay, these were just hippies, people that are hungry. My guys are off matter too. If you look at Todd Bentley, you know, even though later on he kind of fell into a bit of error, but you know, when you look at these guys, you will find that about quite a matter too. Todd Bentley, we not quite a matter too. When you watch the documentary of the Lakeland outpouring. 
the first thing is your religiousness will kick in. Okay, the first thing is, mm, we should want to Aqualesa. You know, they, many of them looked like the way, you know, these, I, I don't know if you've watched these movies, Nefuma Bikers, if you have my earring, Pamona, you know, Chikwatafe, Nolu Paladin, Binamulu Palachari, Vikamo Tattoo, Fiat Fualafe, you know, you know those, I don't know if you've seen those bikers, you know, in, in movies. Okay, Fimbi Fimbi. Those, those were the types of people that, um, you know, Todd Bentley had, okay, and Todd Bentley himself looked a bit like that, okay, so they started as people that were just hungry for God, just hungry for God, you know, and God started moving with them mightily, okay, but there was something that needed to be done as far as teaching goes, because the move of God was there, but the establishment in as far as the teaching ministry was not there, so this is where the teaching ministry comes in, because many revivals start with people that are just hungry, okay, and they begin to encounter God, so the teaching ministry ministry must kick in immediately. So when God begins to move in a revival, one of the things you want to see immediately is the teaching ministry kick in. If the teaching ministry doesn't kick in quickly, error will, will soon creep into that revival. Okay. A lot of things will soon creep into that revival. Why? Because the teaching ministry was never there to establish and ground the people into the faith. So in a revival, many of you that are pursuing revival, now that the knowledge of truth has come to you, one of the things you should pursue is the word of God. Why? Because when revival starts, I can assure you, many of the people that will be looking like they're on fire, when you see them preach and minister and the fire of God is so strong over their lives, you'll be so amazed. And then when you sit down again to listen to them, again, you will be so amazed. <laughs> Have you ever met people like that? When you see them work miracles, when you see them prophesy, you are so amazed. And then when you sit, them, when you sit down with them to hear them speak and teach the word of God, again, you become very amazed. <laughs> I don't know if you understand those two amazed, but you, you need to be wise. Let, the, let those that have got ears hear what the Spirit is saying. Okay, I don't know if you've ever encountered people like that. And go, oh, Monale, flow up, supernatural. You are amazed. Then when you sit down again to hear them teach the word of God, when you hear them speak on share on certain truths in the Bible, you are amazed again. Okay, it's because they have a revival, but they never sat down to you know, to, to receive teaching so that they can be established uh, in, the, in the faith. It's very, very important. So teaching has got a way in which it establishes people. And teaching must also be, you know, looked into with a lot of, uh, with a lot of caution. It must be looked into with a lot of caution because teaching is actually, uh, the teaching ministry, when in error, is actually more dangerous, okay? Is actually more dangerous than the, the, the prophetic office. Okay, you you are at um, you are better off. Now I I don't mean we should find where we can trade off, but then you are better off being uh receiving a false prophetic word than sitting under a false teacher. You are better off. It's it's better. It's better to have a false a false prophet than a false teacher. Because a false teacher, can you imagine a false teacher can literally establish an entire congregation into the wrong truth and they believe it establish and ima imagine for example le let me give you an example that will make you think okay let me give you an example that will make you think and please uh I, 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 it's not my intention to make you think much but uh i'm a theologian so we, we are made to think so much but then uh imagine today that the muslims believe that what they stand on is true 
Imagine, imagine. They believe that what they stand on is true because someone taught them that what they stand on is true and they believe we are in error. And even us as Christians and as believers, we also believe they are in error. Okay? Now imagine if today someone came to you and told you, no, 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 no. Jesus is not the way. Okay? There are many other ways. You will fight that. Why? Because you were taught. So all your convictions have been strengthened. All your resolves have been strengthened on the premise that someone taught you that Jesus is the way. Ah. <laughs> now, you, now you, can, you can imagine if you had a false teacher establish you into the fact that Muhammad is the way. And the same level of conviction you have now is the one that uh, you had on the fact that Muhammad is the way. It would be difficult to derail you because even you right now, someone to come to you and tell you Jesus is not the way, Muhammad is the way, you will fight, you will rebel. Why? Because there are men and women that have taught you from years, in, I mean, in, 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 in these past years and have established you in the fact that Jesus is the way. This is how powerful the teaching ministry is, that it can literally establish people in a truth or it can establish people in an error. Okay, it can establish people in an era. So the teaching ministry is really, really, I mean, th there's an example, for example, uh, there's an example of, uh, of a pastor, okay, in the US. There's a story of a pastor in the US. I don't know if you guys have, have heard of that story. The pastor in the US, um, the, the, the pastor in the US stood up to his church. And when he stood up to his church, he said, well, um, I just want to announce to everyone that I'm gay and the church stood up and they started, uh, they started clapping for him. And there was an uproar in the church. Everyone was excited. Everyone was jumping. Everyone was shouting. The keyboard was, you know, everyone was just there. Okay. And so an interviewer asked him afterwards and said, well, uh, why is it that after you announced your church, uh, your sexual orientation, uh, why is it that people started clapping, people were excited, people were shouting, the instruments, everyone was excited. His response scared me. I can tell you the truth. His response scared me, scared me up until today. It scares me so much that he said that the reason why they were excited, they were, he was asked by interview, why is it that they were excited? We didn't expect that. If a pastor is going to announce that to his church, okay, uh, many people should, you know, react a certain way. But why is it that people were excited? People were actually buying him gifts and, you know, commending him for his bravery, you know, and doing a lot of stuff. And he said, oh, the reason why they responded like that is because I have been preparing them. That response scared me. He says, I have been preparing them. Now, how has he been preparing them? He has been preaching compromised messages, compromised messages to the point that people did not even know. You see, when you sit under a ministry, the message being taught is fine tuning you into a certain thought pattern. So the level of things you apprehend uh, is fine tuned to the amount of teaching you have been given. So if you sit under a pastor that teaches compromise, 
The moment the pastor announces that he's compromising, that's why you see people say, we are standing with so-and-so, we are standing with so-and-so. No, I don't mean where the pastor is being accused falsely or the pastor is being accused wrongly and people are standing with their pastor. I don't mean with that. What I mean is where people know that their pastor is in error. It's not something that, you know, you, 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 you heard from someone else. Maybe it's even something you experienced firsthand. Okay, you experienced it firsthand that maybe your pastor did this to you or your pastor, you know, uh, suggested this or your pastor did this or your pastor said this. And when now it comes to the public and you are saying, I stand with my pastor, you are standing with your pastor, yet it was your pastor that made sexual advances towards you. Okay, and you say, I'm standing with my pastor. Why are you standing with your pastor? It's because of this thing. He prepared you. Okay, he prepared you through teaching. So you will find that on the pulpit, men will begin to give compromised messages to acclimate to the lifestyle that they are living. So people will begin to say, you know, this is how we are. This is how life is. You know, sometimes I want to, you know, and, like, and the, every week they are teaching teachings like that, teaching teachings like that. And when teachings like that are coming, your mind is being renewed into the wrong doctrine. Your mind is being renewed. So, ah, in a... Pastor, you know, announces that, oh, this is what is happening and the church begins to clap. Okay. Now, I don't mean we should, we should, uh, we should, you know, leave our brothers and sisters that are dealing with such challenges. But what I mean is that the response shows you something. And what he said also made me very afraid. I have been preparing them. I have been preparing them. So in a, in a revival, we really need teaching to establish us in the right truth because revival starts with many people that are zealous but are lacking in knowledge. So the teaching ministry comes to establish, but we need to be very careful with the teaching ministry because you can also establish people in the wrong doctrine and the wrong truth. Okay. The second purpose of the teaching ministry in revival is to obliterate fear. Okay. The second purpose of the teaching ministry in revival is to obliterate fear. So the second purpose is to obliterate fear. Now, remember in the book of Acts, of which I'll not read because I think it's a common portion of scripture for us who are revivalists. In the book of Acts, something happens. Acts chapter number two, verses number one through to four. Okay, the Holy Spirit comes, the Holy Spirit comes like a mighty rushing wind. And many people are filled in the spirit and they begin to speak in other tongues and they are speaking in other tongues, speaking in other tongues. And when the people that had come for Pentecost saw them, they said, oh man, these people are speaking in, in our language and etc, etc. And many people began to accuse them of being drunk. Okay, so they began to accuse them of being drunk. They said, these men are drunk. And then this is now when we see the power of the teaching ministry in a revival. Peter arises and when Peter arises, he begins to defend the manifestation that was happening. He begins to explain the manifestation that was happening from a pro prophetic perspective because he took them back all the way to the prophet Joel. He says, these men are not drunk as you suppose for it's only by 9 a.m. in the morning. But this is what was prophesied by the prophet Joel that in the last days we will have such experiences and then he begins to give his disposition by the time he's done with his disposition what is happening is that many people now begin to say okay uh were, it says they were cut to the heart and when they were cut to the heart they say men and men and brethren what shall we do then it says repent Okay, and many of them repented and 3,000 were added to the church. A church that started with 120 was now 3,120. Okay, 3,120. Why did that happen? It's because of the teaching ministry. 
So in revival, you will have unusual manifestations, okay? In revival, you will have unusual manifestations, okay? Whenever there is a manifestation, the natural reaction is fear. People are afraid. So when there are manifestations, people are very afraid, okay? Imagine you begin to just, uh, you, you start seeing, for example, you, you, your, your church has been having normal services. Everything has been normal. Everything has been going on well. And all of a sudden, you now have your church services. You know, you, you start seeing, uh, you know, the cloud of glory appearing in your church service. You can imagine the cloud of, not yet, uh-uh, not those fog machines we use at concerts. Uh-uh. You, you literally start to see the, the cloud of glory vis-a-vis. -vis. There's smoke in the church. Because God has come in that particular fashion. You will need teaching. Okay. Because. So you will find that it comes to obliterate fear. Or the other thing is you'll be very, very afraid. You'll be so scared. Won't you fear? Many of you say you want revival. Okay. Let me. Many of you say you want revival. When it comes, you'll be very afraid. That is why you will discover that even when angels come, one of the first things they say is what? Fear not. Because manifestations, even though godly, when they are not coupled with teaching, can bring some sort of fear. Okay, filatinia. Okay, so many of you are saying, I want revival. Lord, send me revival. Lord, send us revival. Send us a move of the spirit. Wait until you are like at Bethel Church, you know, where they start to have feathers. Okay, feathers, angelic feathers falling from the, from the roof. And they actually had to hire someone to go and check the roof. Okay, to see if the roof had got birds, had birds or anything that was, you know, causing the angelic feathers to fall. And they found the roof was intact. If you start seeing feathers fall in your church services, won't you be afraid? pastor. <laughs> and if your pastor had traveled at some point, yeah, travel. pastor. powers. So you 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 will be very afraid when revival comes. Many of you that say, you know, Mariah Woodworth Eta, I want to be like Mama Eta. I want to be. You are praying all those prayer points. Mariah Woodworth Eta was called a heretic. Okay, Mariah Woodworth Eta was called a heretic. Imagine if your pastor, okay, comes to church and begins to preach a sermon. And as the pastor is preaching a sermon, they fall into a trance. For three days, they are on the pulpit in a trance. For three days, they have just remained stuck. Then after three days, they continue from where they ended. <laughs> That's why, you know, I pray for grace because many of you that are saying, God, send us revival in KCCI. Lord, send us revival in Kingdom Come Church International. Lord, send us revival in whatever church you go to. Lord, send us revival in our church. We want revival. You will be the first one to run away from that church when revival comes. <laughs> okay? You will be the first one. Many, many people that say they want revival will be the first ones to run away from that church. When revival comes, because it is an effort to find revival in Demiera, okay? In the Azusa Street revival, it was said that the glory cloud would be so thick that children would play hide and seek in the glory. Imagine abana bambo bambo kwangala hide and seek. Mulinomo ana mchechi, but tamule mona na luba na fisama glory. Is Mr. Kapansa in? Imagine, you know, Mr. Kapansa, imagine your, your little boy. Okay, to the muchechi, mwasasanga, tuwaleko ogumu mwona, kanshi, nafisama glory cloud. Okay, imagine if that happened. 
the, the first thing you think of you you tap someone and say mm, okay but I'm a manifestation you know all those things were in the azusa in the azusa street revival that many of us want to see okay many of us want to see the azusa street revival but even i as a pastor if those things started happening okay so now when revival comes it comes with it comes with a lot of manifestations so to 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 <laughs> <laughs> so revival comes with a lot of manifestations so the way in which we cut out fear okay is by the teaching ministry so this is why you now understand that many of you need to arise as teachers you need to arise like Bereans people that read the word of God people that are committed to study you should be studying the word of God like you're going to write an exam for it like you're going to be uh, examined for it. you must study the word of God especially you that wants revival because when revival comes I tell you chaos will also come Okay, say, Lord, give me revival. When it comes, chaos will come. Okay, Manda, revival. The revival that you, you are seeking, okay? The revival that you are seeking with the ministry. The revival that you are pressing into. Seek to go even deeper in the word of God. Seek to establish the church deeper even in the word of God. The congregation, the movement, deeper into the word of God. Why? Because when revival comes, chaos will come your way as well. Okay, be, be very aware. It will come your way. Chaos will come your way. Fear will grip the hearts of people. So the way in which you deal with that fear is you arise like Peter and you say, men and brethren, these men are not drunk as you suppose. For it was this which was spoken by the prophet Joel. You can speak from scripture. You can speak prophetically to defend the move of God like Peter. You need the teaching ministry. Because revive will a little muenso. Okay, imagine our <clears throat> manifestations. You are you are people have yet, are yet to see things. Okay, you will see manifestations. You will see intercessors that when they begin to groan, they are groaning in a way that okay, we believe in the move, but okay. So this teaching must come to cut out fear. Okay, to cut out fear, or else <laughs> you run away. Number three, the importance of the teaching ministry is to bring clarity. So the teaching ministry brings clarity. It also brings clarity to what God is doing and what God is staring in that particular move of God. That's number three. Let me give you number four and then we can close. Uh, number four is to avoid error. Okay, the teaching ministry is important to avoid error. Now, when it comes to revival, revival has got a lot of liberty. Revival has got a lot of liberty in which God is moving mightily. Uh, God is doing a lot of things and there's so much liberty in the spirit. And that is why you find that revival sometimes will not necessarily conform to so many patterns uh, and so many church models and church structures because of the liberty it has. It wants to, it doesn't want to be programmed. It doesn't want to be structured. That's, that's the style of revival. Okay, revival doesn't usually want to be programmed or structured or locked in a certain way. So it's got a lot of liberty. But liberty is not necessarily to entail that niche pante pante femu revival, kulafe anyhow, kulafe anyhow. No, 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 no. There is liberty in revival, but liberty has to be within the boundary of the word of God. So revival will come with a lot of liberty, but the boundary is the word of God. Okay, we must be limited to the boundary of the word of God in revival. So freedom will be there to allow us to explore, to allow us to experience a lot of things. But there must be 
a, a boundary and that boundary is limited to the word of God. When we start to cross beyond the word of God, nishtuambo kulufianya. Okay, nishtuambo kulufianya. So even our manifestations, they must be in tandem with the word of God. Okay, even the things we, wa- we want to see, they must be in tandem with the word of God. Ngatuambo kufuma mchebo cha kwalesa. Okay, that's why to akwa chebo chike minina fintu fionse fika pita nelo chebo chike minina chebo then you for chebo chika minina mwaka mwasamuna. So when that happens, you must know that manifestations will go away. Okay? Things will go away, but the word will stay. That is why even when it comes to ministries, don't establish them on encounters. Don't establish them on manifestations. That is nonsense. Okay? Establish it on the word of God. Because people will stop getting slain at some point because God has moved to a different manifestation. Will you now say, ah, why uh, what are we going to do now no god has moved so you you establish the ministry on the word of god okay because the word of god will remain so don't say ah abantu wala baslain sana ma meeting yandi okay ndamuna sana abantu kubaslain so slaining ministry or blind eyes opening ministry don't do that mwamuna kufama blind eyes yabidi atatuya isuka blind eyes opening ministry no 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 it's better you go and you just find in the bible a scripture to deal with healing and you Pick that particular one. If God has given you the mandate to minister healing to the nations, then you give yourself that title. Don't say deaf ears opening ministry. It's nonsense. Okay, don't do that. So you don't establish, uh, you know, the ministry on encounters. You establish the ministry on the word of God. So the word of God has got a way in which it cuts out error. Okay, the teaching ministry has got a way in which it cuts out error. And, And so if you are, uh, and if you are a person that is going to host revival, for example, if you are going to host revival, you really need to be a very good teacher of the word that is that is grounded in the word of God. Because sometimes there will be manifestations that are soulish, soulish manifestations under the anointing. Now, let me tell you something. That is why you see people like so come under an anointing, okay, and you start to literally see them, uh, you know, exhibit certain manifestations, and all those things. You know, the the, 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 the the anointing does not necessarily deal with the with the soul that the soul structure that you've let me explain that properly. The anointing does not necessarily cover up for weakness in the soul structure. The anointing actually comes to amplify everything that you have. That is why you will find that if you are short-tempered, when the anointing comes over your head or over your life, everything begins to everything begins to uh everything begins to uh what's the word again? Um I'm, I'm lacking language. Everything begins to get amplified, okay? There's an amplification of each and everything, okay, that you have. So if there is lust that you have not dealt with, when the anointing starts coming on you, the lust will have a certain amount of amplification. Many people never understand this. That is why you would discover that when God wants to release his anointing on individuals, he usually wants to deal with as much of your soul as as possible, with as much of your flesh as possible. Because when the anointing comes, it comes to amplify everything. Let me tell you, let me just give you a brief example. Have you ever noticed how that sometimes you find yourself watching a man of God? You know, you watch a man of God so many times, you watch him over and over again, or a woman 
of God, whichever one it is, or you listen to something over and over again, you listen to something, please, for those of you that preach, if you can confirm this with me, please, okay, because it, it may not be everyone because not everyone preaches on it, not everyone has got the opportunity to preach often, but those that preach often will tell me, you watch someone often, you listen to someone often, you watch a man of God often, you listen to his sermons often, that is happening as and as you are watching that person what is happening is that there is something happening to your soul you are picking information you are picking mannerisms you are picking characteristics now when you go out to preach you will notice that you may not notice it yourself by the way but you will also notice that people will tell you that do you know you behaved like Benny him there do you know you were behaving like that man of God there do you know when you said that the, the way you were moving your mannerisms were like that apostle or that prophet does anyone confirm that it's not something you 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 planned on doing but because you have been watching this man of God often sometimes a phrase will come out or something will come out that is a direct manifestation of someone you have been constantly following have you seen that happen before okay You've been following someone so much, okay? And some of the some of the people that actually sit under me or you know uh, listen to me often as members, sometimes I've noticed uh, I can hear someone speaking. Sometimes I'll notice Diana speaking. I'll notice the Bemba intonation come out. I'll notice the examples. I'll notice the humor. Sometimes I'll pick. Oh, that's something I would do. But she would not even plan to do it. But because she has been listening quite often, that when she comes under an anointing while teaching, some of those things ripple out, even without planning. Now imagine. Okay. Uh, now Im I I let me read what uh, my, my 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 Florida is saying. Exactly, even the, even the tongues. You will find Nama tongues. It's not something you planned, but under an anointing, everything within your soul structure is amplified. So, you find those mannerisms will start to uh, get amplification within the anointing. The same is true even with the flesh. Okay, the same is true even with the flesh. If there are certain fleshly things, when they come under an anointing, there's a certain amplification of those things. That is why God wants us to deal with those things. So if you don't take a break and you move in rebellion to say, I must forge ahead, you will find there will be certain soulish manifestations that will manifest under an anointing. Okay, they will manifest under an anointing. So that is why sometimes when you come into a meeting and a pastor is preaching and the anointing comes into a meeting, there are certain manifestations of people getting slain or people reacting in a certain way. That is not of God. <laughs> so it will take teaching ministry to bring that in order. Say, no, 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 this is error. Okay, I know the anointing was present. That is why there's a book. I, I can't remember the author of the book. Okay, it's called Who Switched Off My Brain. The fact that you are under an anointing does not mean your brain has been switched off. Okay, and you say, me, it's the anointing. They are, and if you are not a good, me, that's why I, I like that God has helped me. Because I can, I, can, I can instruct people. So you will not tell me, me, it's the anointing. I'm, I'm glad God has allowed me to walk in the anointing. So, and I don't mean where you're challenging people and rebuking people. It's where now the flesh has come out. Someone is rebuking someone under the flesh, okay? Someone is rebuking people under the flesh. Yes, thank you. Uh, someone is rebuking people under the flesh and they they are claiming it's the anointing for us who have walked in the anointing will tell you no sir we know it's the anointing but part of your flesh manifested in that matter 
<laughs> and if you are sincere with yourself as a pastor, as a preacher, as someone that has been given the ability to preach, you will realize that sometimes when you taught, there was part of your flesh that manifested, even though the anointing was there. Part of your flesh. That thing you will find sometimes it will manifest. <laughs> okay, it will manifest. I remember being in a fellowship. You know, I remember being in a fellowship. man of God. So back in the Those were fleshly things. When the anointing came on me, those fleshly things I didn't know, I had harbored them in my soul. And because I had harbored them in my soul, they manifested. And people that were mature in the anointing called me and said, this one you said, sir, was not under the anointing. We, we saw the anointing, yes, but this one was a manifestation of your own flesh. Some of you are already in ministries. So you find God gives you another message. Not a message on giving. Wasanga pastor. Giving, but our pastor. You know, sometimes oh, <laughs> the flesh has manifested. So you, you, you need the teaching ministry to curb that error. So that when people are, are in error and they are claiming it's the anointing, it's the anointing, it's the anointing. You need to tell them, yes, sir, the anointing was present and it exposed the flesh. Okay, that is why when men begin to move in the anointing, they think that the anointing is just coming, you know, to empower them. If you have not dealt with your own soul, if you've not dealt with your own life, the anointing will come and expose that there is lust that you have. You will find the lust will be amplified. Why? The anointing is coming to tell you, even you yourself, we need to break this bondage. Because remember, the anointing breaks the yoke of bondage. So when it comes, it's not just breaking the yoke of bondage in other people. Even in your life, it will amplify and bring it to the open so that you can change and repent. So it's very, very important that the teaching ministry comes in because sometimes soulish manifestations come in. So manifestations and you can't teach people. You will find that a lot of things will actually be missed. Okay, the other thing is to put people in order. This is still under error. This is my last point. Okay, to put people under order. Okay, to put people under order. There are certain people you will deal with. I have dealt with certain characters, stubborn characters, all manners of characters. Okay, I've dealt with so many, so many characters. My characters, yeah, psana psana fe. Okay, and if you're not careful and you don't have the word of God in you, people can manipulate you in a move of God. I've been in a move of God. I have been in a move of God. I dealt with this prophetic intercessor in one move of God that I was part of. Uh, it was a lady that believed she was an intercessor and I believe she was. And, you know, in the quest of intercession and interceding for the ministry, interceding for the ministry I was part of and the move of God I was part of, you know, interceding for each says, no, I'm an intercessor. I pray, I say, okay, great. And I was the leader there and I was very young then because I started doing ministry as a teenager. So uh, you can imagine, I, I was barely 17, 18. You know, that was when I was doing ministry. We were gathering people and we were doing ministry. So this person joins and, well, it seemingly looked like they had gone ahead. They were older than me. So we respected. And so they said they were a prophetic intercessor and they intercede and the like. So every time, you know, they would come with all sorts of things. Man of God, 
I saw that God is going to punish this ministry if we are not careful. God is going to shine. We need to change. God is saying, let's cancel the conference. So if we're not, guys, we can't have the meeting. <laughs> ah, okay. So another time something happens, another time something happens. So I now started going into the word of God. I said, no, 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 no. Some of you have those people in your churches, okay, or in your ministries. I started going into the word of God. I said, no, 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 no. Inasmuch as there's prophetic intercession and there's prophetic authority, one of the things you realize in intercession, which we looked at, okay, uh, in, in one of the revival seminars, we looked at the fact that intercession, okay, intercession does not necessarily obliterate the leadership structure. It doesn't. Intercession doesn't. God doesn't do things like that. And even when God begins to speak to you, and sometimes the leadership structure is not in obedience, sometimes he will just allow you to continue pray, praying. Okay? It doesn't allow you to create disorder. Okay? Sometimes I'll just hear, no, uh, this one had a dream. And because of all these things, people were terrified. No, the woman had a dream. She said that uh, we held a meeting. And when we held a meeting, pastor, I wasn't pastor then, you know, Sacham was praying for people and he laid hands on five people and all of them died. Mm. <laughs> I said, there's no order in this intercession. So it now got to a place where I had to go back to the word of God. Lord, where is the word? Where is the word? Where is the word? And when I started studying the word of God, started reading books on intercession, started studying more on intercession, started studying more on revival. And I started studying that, ah, there were people that, you know, uh, were very manipulative in their intercessory ventures. And when I noticed that, the Holy Spirit started teaching me. Now you tell me some of those things. Some, sometimes I will not listen. Now, I don't mean that I'm not in a place where I can accept when someone is giving me a warning. But I mean that there is a way in which God does things. And even when he's doing things, he does them in a certain way. And sometimes you'll find he may show someone. He may show you as the intercessor. Yours is not to bring fear. Yours is to intercede until that thing is wiped away. Because you are the one with the burden. You are the one that has seen the vision. Interse I mean, prophetic abilities must be coupled with intercessory ministry. So the word of God must come in to bring people to order. So I sat down. I said, this is the word of God. This is how this goes. If you don't have the word of God, there'll be a lot of error that will find expression in the revival. So we need the word of God to cut out on revival. I mean, to cut out on, uh, on a lot of errors. So many errors are prevalent because the word of God is scarce. So when there's a scarcity of the word of God, revival will actually have a lot of impurities. So we need people to come and to teach. gifts of the spirit. We need people to come and guide them on how to flow in the gifts of the spirit. Remember, Paul had to go to the Corinthian, had to write to the Corinthian church to address them on how they were administrating the gifts of the spirit. He had to address them. This is how you administrate the gifts of the spirit. Okay, this is how you administrate them. And he addressed all those issues. He addressed all those issues. And when he addressed those issues, there was some sort of order. So it's very, very important that we have the teaching ministry in revival to avoid error. I will end here for the night. Uh, I hope you were blessed. Um, and uh, I want you to pray for me. Pray that God would refresh me. Pray that God would continually give me more insight and more revelation. Um, you know, spend 
10 minutes if you can after this, even five minutes. It doesn't have to be long. Even when you're before going to bed, just say a prayer over my life, uh, a prayer of protection, a prayer of refreshment. Um, because, you know, sometimes men can get weary. Uh, just pray and ask God to do something uh, peculiar with my life as well. Um, and that God would continually bless and minister to me as well. Yeah, so I'll end here for the night. And, you know, uh, for this revival seminar, we obeyed God and we, we, we did what God wanted, which was to have it free um, <clears throat> and just, you know, just have it like that. And so that is basically exactly what we have done. We have um, had the revival seminar free. So I hope you've been blessed by it. Um, yeah, I hope you have been blessed by it. So, so for Blueprints of Heaven... Um, yeah, the recordings will come. I think I've recorded all of them. So the recordings will actually come. Let me just stop this particular one. <clears throat>